Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome to the Helium Dories podcast. Somehow we made it to episode two. I didn't think this would happen. I wanted to do this fun thing for our podcast where we alternated hosts every time, but Shotgun had to go and lose his voice throughout the course of Saturday because he's Shotgun and he does what he wants, apparently. But I'll be taking hosting duties for this episode, the second consecutive episode, but Shotgun owes me two. I just want to let you know, Shotgun, you owe me two. And if you think Shotgun was going to go on full vocal rest and not do an episode of the Helium Boys after doing close to two hours of tunnel vision on Sunday night. And then instant analysis on Saturday night, even though we were about to pull him, but he was like, pull the Paul Pierce. He got in that wheelchair. We wheeled him out to the field. You're you're sadly mistaken if you didn't know Shotgun was going to go and gut this one out. Shotgun, how are you doing? But I want you to answer an Ed Orgeron voice, please. I think everything is close to an Ed Orgeron voice now. It's got a little bit more accent to it. So, uh, you know, the voice has been going up and down a little bit. Uh, went on the plane, got on a plane, flew in a tube across the country. You know, we saw some football. Football's fun. Saw a bunch of people out the tailgates. That's fun, too. And USC got a win, you know. Ed Orgeron likes it when USC wins. He's still got some USC in his blood. I feel like we could just end the pod there and then people would just be <laughs> fine because it's, it's just not going to get any better from that. There was a slight moment where it sounded like you were Miss Piggy a little bit. That voice went into that territory. I hope if someone like can clip stuff, I hope we can clip something for a soundbite. The football is fun one might actually be a, a good one for the for this episode. But yes, football is fun. And I'm glad we were able to finally watch a game shotgun. Now, you have talked a lot about San Jose State and your analysis with instant analysis. And we both talked a lot, a lot, a lot about Tunnel Vision, which is up on YouTube, so you can go check that out. We'll have more fleshed-out ideas. So, you know, we still want to talk a little bit about this game, but we've said a lot already about this game. So with me, if you didn't listen to Tunnel Vision with me, I'm kind of on the, the side of USC fans who believe, you know, we can't get ready to just burn everything down after four quarters of football. We've seemed to come to this belief that it's more like a scrimmage that they treated this game with, with a bunch of rotations, with the offensive line, with funneling a, a bunch of defensive players, a lot of freshmen played because this is the first game and you've been having fall camp and spring camp for the last several months and you've just been playing against each other, but you won't get a full real analysis and evaluation until you put these guys under the lights against live bullets against the San Jose State and another college football team. See how these freshmen do. 
see how these guys are competing for backup spots to play bigger roles that were reserves. Are they ready to step up and actually play a real college football game? And it key minutes in a college football game. That is the real question. So there was a lot of that on Saturday and the offense was the offense hit a little bit of wall in the first half, but they got it going. Zachariah branch is a stud as we knew the defense still a work in progress, but there were some things that you really liked to see, you know, that just that whole entire defensive front is a 180 flip from what it was last year. So they have some dogs now on that defense. Now it's up to Alex Grinch to get them in position to go hunt some quarterbacks and some offensive skill players. Yeah, and Barry Alexander has talked about, you know, being hunting as a defensive lineman, wanting to do that. So that's a, a good analogy there. Um, you know, Lincoln Riley talked on Trojans Live Monday night um, and talked about, you know, going forward, he thought that there would be slightly less uh, as far as planned rotations. Um, you know, some of that will be determined, he said, by how they respond this week in practice. Okay, you saw, you got that tape. It's what we talked about on Tunnel Vision, his analysis. If it is, if they did treat it like a glorified scrimmage, which is exactly what it seemed like they did, then okay, now you have the teach tape. Now, Lincoln Riley said, who is taking in those lessons and making the improvements? So I think we may see a lot different kind of rotations next week. Um, and then especially going to Stanford. Then I, I think maybe you still see a lot of rotations against uh, Nevada this week. But then against Stanford, you start whittling it down a little bit more um, as far as who's going to play the majority of the snaps. So you might still see a good amount of rotation this upcoming week. But I think it may be different rotations, which could be interesting to see. Okay, who who do they really trust? Who do they who really popped on film when they watched? Um, and we'll talk about some of those guys when our stocks up and down. But yeah, my big takeaway was that is they got a ton of guys in there, a ton of different combinations and whatnot. So they they got to figure out some of those combinations, especially on the offensive line. That's one that we're we're a little bit concerned about. You know, coming out of that game, just you know, did not play as well as we anticipated, and some of the rotations were a little bit different than we anticipated. So that's a little bit concerning to see, you know, a guy like Jarrett Kingston not in the starting lineup. Now, why exactly is that? We, you know, haven't got that answer. We haven't been able to ask, ask that question. It didn't come up in the in the immediate post-game press conference when everybody wanted to talk about how good Zachary Branch is, who Chris Trevino and I have been trying to tell you guys. I hope you guys have bought your stock early. Um, you know, Chris Trevino loaded up. I don't know if there's any left for anyone between, you know, the – I'm the early selling. the early stock that I got, uh, you know, at, when he was at Bishop Gorman and what Chris has bought up, gobbled up since then. So I don't know if there's any left, but if there is, you guys should go get some. Maybe we'll sell a little bit of it off at a time to to make some money for ourselves, Chris. But, you no, know, you know, he was fantastic. And that was what the conversation was afterwards, except for Caleb Williams talked about, you know, it's a little bit disappointing coming off the field uh, with some of the inconsistency that they had. And the fact that he said that I think is really good for the team because, hey, your leader, your Heisman Trophy winner said, hey, this is that's fine that we won. And, it's you know, we're happy that we won and we're one to know, but this isn't good enough. It's kind of like one of those scenes that you see and, you know, whether it's uh, remember the Titans or whatever. Oh, if we play like this next week, varsity blues, you know, they're going to kick our butt type of thing. Like they understand that what they had on, on Saturday was good enough to get a win against San Jose State. Won't be good enough down the line when you're playing four or five games um, against Utah, Notre Dame, and Washington, Oregon. You know, that stretch you know, it just won't be good enough. So they know that they've got to get better. 
And the thing is, they can get better. So I think that's the reason why we're not freaking out just yet, like a lot of people on our message boards actually are. Um, we're willing to give them a little bit of leeway. And I, I said a lot on Tunnel Vision yesterday um, uh, that if in week three you're seeing the same mistakes, then it's time to, to freak out and say, you know, break out the pitchforks. But not in week one when you have so many rotations, so many new guys, new players to your defense, new players to your offense. There's always going to be a little bit of uh, kind of hiccups as you're trying to get it all processed and you're playing against a different team. So let's give them the time to do that. As long as you know, if you're winning by 28 points each game and you're getting better, then I think you can be happy with the result. Going back to what you said about Kayla Williams, kind of calling them out a little bit, those inconsistencies and that they need to get better. Well, it's nice to have a week zero win like that. They, they need to get better. And that kind of goes back to, Lincoln Riley said something in his first year about how the best teams he's had are the teams that are player-led, be a player-led team. And that's just a great example of this being a player-led team in that, you know, Caleb Williams, a returning Heisman winner team captain, is putting out there publicly like, hey, we have to get better. This We know it's a good win. We know it's a it's a solid start to the season. You want to go 1-0, but this is not going to be good enough for the goals we have this season, which we all know what the goals are. It's Pac-12 championship, college football playoff, national title. Those are all the things. So they know, you know, in that locker room, and he even said that he went and spoke to some of the leaders on this team after he was, you know, done for the day and kind of talked about how, hey, we need to step it up. We need to get better. So being a player-led team, that's a great sign, I think, for for improving, you know, even though, you know, obviously you want it to be on the defense more than the offense. We know the offense is elite, but just having that communication with the team leaders is, is a great sign for this team that, you know, they're on a path to getting better. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with you there as far as it being team led. And I did see, I saw Caleb Williams talking with Justin Dietrich, you know, because both those guys came out at the same time as well as Jonah Monheim. Um, so those guys talking on the sideline uh, about, you know, we need to get this thing cleaned up. And, you know, Justin Dietrich, we talked to him afterwards, and, you know, he, he said similar things like, hey, we're happy with the win. We know we got stuff to improve on, especially in the offensive line, the consistency there. And now, uh, you know, you mentioned it last night. It was a great question from Jack during the postgame presser uh, was to Justin Dietrich was, how do you get more consistent when there's so much inconsistency kind of rolling around you with so many guys moving in and out of the lineup in so many different uh, combinations? So they used five different offensive line combinations uh, in that game before they, you know, went full backups and whatnot. So, you know, that's something it, I'll be very interested to see if that is the same next week. If there are one or two combinations that get more play, how that kind of adjust uh, after week one? Um, you know, is someone is someone pushed ahead and they are getting two drives to one drive of the next guy? So we saw at right tackle, Michael Tarquin started the game. He got the first two drives. Mason Murphy got one. And it was basically like that throughout the rest of the first half. Whereas at the guard position, it was one drive on, one drive off for those combinations. So has anyone next week pushed themselves up into two drive, two to one drives? Uh, so those are the type of things that we'll be looking for as we kind of look at the rotations, different things. But yeah, you know, if you're getting that push from your players that say you got to step up now, are they pushing them in practice this week? That'd be the big thing to see, um, you know, or to hear from the players after the 
practices and stuff when the media talks to them is, you know, do we hear about what someone said or what someone did to say, you know, we're going to step up type of thing going into the practices this week and who actually does do that? That offensive line is going to be very interesting to see come this week against Nevada. Who was that first unit out? I mean, I think we feel pretty good about Justin Dietrich being the center and Jonah Monheim being that left tackle. But all those three other positions, as you see, was a rotation or a musical chairs of sorts. So it's going to be very telling to see who gets those starts. The first drive against Nevada. Does Alani Noah earn that start again? Does Gino Quinones find himself back in the thing? Is Mason Murphy your starting right tackle after a close battle in fall camp? So I'm looking very much to seeing your participation notes, shotgun and kind of the breakdown you have for those offensive line combinations. Cause there was a few, maybe not as many as we thought, but they were a good amount. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, you know, if I have time the next couple of days, I'm going to try to do a, you know, just a breakdown of each combination, what they did, how it worked, uh, that type of thing. So you guys can look for that as well. You know, the initial PFF grades, I, and I think you'd be surprised, Chris, to see that Justin Dietrich and Jonah Monheim were the two highest graded guys. No surprise there. No, I was just joking about that. But then, you know, the next two guys, as far as those main uh, competitors for spots, Michael Tarquin and Mason Murphy were within um, 0.4 points of each other in a grade. Uh, so I, I think you're seeing how close that competition was. Both those guys getting opportunities. Now, Mason Murphy played some left tackle in the game, played some right tackle, so he moved around a little bit. And then, you know, Alani Noah, I thought he did better than maybe his, he ended up grading out at. I, I thought that he showed some flashes. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay. You're I'm okay. Back. I'm okay. I'm okay. 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 Uh, get the defibrillator just in case. Um, but uh, I know, uh, you know, I thought he showed some flash and I thought it was interesting. Um, y- you know, Lincoln Riley said it was Zachariah Branch was outstanding. And then he said the other two guys that started as freshmen being Tackett Curtis and Lionel, Noah, said they both made plays that make you realize why you started them. And then they also m- both made some freshman mistakes. So, you know, I think that both those guys are going to grow and they got bright futures. So we'll see. It would be interesting to see, you know, Pregnon and Eli Noah were the two battling for that left guard position. They graded out pretty similar within a point and a half of each other. So, you know, how close is that that battle? You know, the, all these battles are seem to be still pretty close. Uh, you know, there weren't any of the – and maybe this is a good question for you, Chris. Do you think of any specific position battle where you're like – that guy really showed he needs to be at the front of the list next week. Um, uh, the one guy that pops to mind for me is Eric Gentry. Um, but again, that's partly because he's been banged up in camp. We know that's why he was, you know, didn't start that game. If he was fully healthy, we were we were pretty certain that he would have started over the freshman Taggart Curtis. But it was great for Taggart Curtis to get that experience and not have to use Eric Gentry too much. And Eric Gentry made sure he wasn't used too much just because four of the six drives he was in on, or three and outs. He's like, I'm getting in here. I'm getting my work done. I'm getting out. You know, blue collar work. I'm get in, get my get punch that time card. Three plays. I'm done. That's all I signed up for. I didn't sign up for no 10, 10 play drives, no 12 play drives. Three plays. I'm in. I'm out. I'm good. Like a Flintstones character with the bird punches the, uh, the ticket <laughs> for you. Yeah, that's a great question. I think one right off the top, and I know you were very impressed with them on saturday is christian roland wallace you know that's a guy everyone pegged to be a starter at quarterback and lo and behold hey he's playing safety and nickel and i think maybe him not being in the start lineup is him sort of still getting used to the nickel position but when he came in he looked great and he made plays and he made an impact so i think he will be in line for more snaps moving forward obviously jalen smith started the game 
at the nickel spot, finished with a career high, eight tackles, led the team. But Christian Wallace, Wallace, obviously a threat to start for any defense, given all those uh, starts he has under his belt. I think it's like 903 or something like that over four years at Arizona. So he's the guy I think could uh, easily we find him playing more and more, especially next week. Yeah, and actually, I, um, I'll go ahead and steal one of these from my stocks. I had stock up on Eric Gentry and Christian Roller Wallace as two backups who I expect to see more and more as you go forward. And Christian Roller Wallace, the, the question is, you know, is it, hey, is he not fully grasped the totality of the defense yet? Or is it maybe – the coaching staff just really doesn't know where to use him because you can use him so many different places. So they're, maybe they're still trying to figure out, all right, let's move him here, let's move him here, let's move him here. Actually, on third down situation, third long situations, he came in as, as more of like a third linebacker. USC used a 3-2-6 lineup, so a dime, a 3-2-6 dime, with Christian Roller Wallace being that extra defender coming in instead of a defensive lineman. But he was lined up basically at the A or B gap every single time, over the center, over the guard to begin with, and then they would fly out and go into coverage or they would send, you know, all, kind of all three of the linebackers were close in right there and one or two of the guys would would blitz and then one of the guys would drop out or two of the guys would drop out. Uh, so they were doing some different things there, giving some different looks. And maybe that's part of that was, you know, a lot of people complain about Alex Grinch and the complexity of the defense. Maybe that's to see, all right, we didn't want to put it on tape so other teams have to prepare for this, but also – Let's see how Christian Roller Wallace does in this in this you know role. Can we use him in that in the future, or is this not going to work? Let's try it against San Jose State rather than being like, all right, let's save this for Utah, and it just doesn't really work, and Utah is able to burn you with one of their tight ends over the middle, and you're like, why did they do that? Why in the hell are they trying to break that out against Utah? So maybe that's kind of the you know, and that's kind of the the dilemma you're always in as a coach when you're trying to figure out one who to play, but also kind of the, the schematics you're going to use early in a season in a game, you think you're going to win and pretty handily is how much do you show? How much are you trying to figure out what you're still trying to do yourself at the same time? So yeah, Christian Roller Wallace and Harry Gentry, I both have them on stock up because I think both of those guys, veteran guys coming off the bench uh, in this game against San Jose state. And both of them, you know, really kind of showed out and showed, yeah, they need to be on the field more and more. Christian Roller Wallace, like I mentioned, basically played linebacker in those, those few snaps in those situations. He also played nickel, like you mentioned. He also played a wide cornerback spot. And then a couple times when he was lined up at nickel, he rotated back based on shifts and motions. He rotated back into a safety spot beside Kalen Bullock. So, you know, that's three different positions. And you, if you're Alex Grinch, that's great for you to see, all right, I got full tape here. How is he going to react to this stuff? Can I? Can he potentially be a safety? Or yeah, that didn't really look right. That didn't look great. Um, you know, let Nichols probably it or outside corner. And outside corner, I thought he would look fantastic. And I know that it's it's intriguing to want to put him, you know, at corner. I mean, at nickel back or maybe at safety, and you know, do different things. But the long arms, like you know, the, it was a third that third and down. It was a three and out that they forced. The guy had the ball in his hands. But Christian Wallace, Roland Wallace was behind him. You know, he ran a decent route. The ball was there, but his arms are just so long. He just reached around and poked the ball right out from the receiver for the pass breakup on third down. And that's, you know, that's what he can do. So, you know, it, it, I think you feel comfortable 
if someone's struggling a little bit, we can always just throw him out there. So maybe that's part of it too. There's a lot of different things you can do with him. And if he has grasped the the, the defense uh, completely, then he's such a weapon that you can use in different ways. So I, I'm really interested and curious to see how they continue to deploy him as the season goes on, because I think he can be a real weapon for him after seeing, seeing him all on the field and seeing him in three, four different spots on the defense uh, on Saturday. You calling him kind of a third linebacker in that dime situation is very unsurprising. If you've seen Christian Roland Wallace, he's mm-hmm. freaking massive for a cornerback. It looks like they put Romello Heights' arms on a cornerback body. That's how yoked he is. So it makes sense that he kind of, you can kind of confuse him for a linebacker out there, but he's obviously very talented. You've just kind of waited already into stocks. So I feel like we're just going to jump right into those already. I also had. Eric Gentry, and you already did a great job of breaking down Eric Gentry, so I don't need to do that. Just a quick one, because we kind of talked about it at the top of the show, but stock up on overreactions. There's been a (laughs) ton of overreactions going on on social media and USC Twitter and Peristyle. I just want to say, take a deep breath. It's the first game. We'll learn a lot more over these next two weeks, so stock up on the overreactions. But to get to an actual real one, stock up on freshman reps they played i believe a dozen freshmen and look we've heard a lot about oh we want to get these guys in get these guys in from the previous staff but they actually did it on saturday they were throwing guys out there left and right it was like trying to keep up with everything like oh oh the quentin joiner just got a good run oh wait uh 89 jacoby lane just checked in braylon shelby's running off the field he's in elijah hughes is playing in the first defensive drive of the game so it's like these guys were letting these freshmen go, and obviously it's a great thing, a great recruiting tool when you have a good number of recruits in the stadium and, you know, you can go and call, hey, look, Kobe Lane played 17 snaps in the – I don't – that's not the actual number. I'm just throwing it out there, but, but played 17 snaps in the start. Look what Zachariah Branch did. Look at a, a starting two true freshmen in this game. So opportunity to play is there, and if you're performing in practice, you are going to play regardless of your class, which is something, obviously, USC fans love to hear. But, yeah, stock up on the freshman reps. Will that hold out throughout the entire season? Probably not, but they were not shy about giving those uh, rookies some shine. They played 61 different players on offense and defense, not even counting special teams. I, I think there were, I think there were 10 more if you include specialists and all that. But on offense and defense, 61 players, um, that's pretty impressive to, to get that many different people on. And good good by you, Chris. Jacoby Lane, according to uh, PFF, 16 snaps. So one oh, off. Let's go. Very close. Let's go. Let's but, yeah, and, and you mentioned, you know, the recruits are in the stands and they're looking to see. And, you know, Gerard talked to Philip Bell, uh, potential five-star receiver from Mission Viejo. Um, for the 2025 class, so a little bit younger guy, but he said, "Hey, I'm going up there." It, and it was—it's not a game day visit, really. I'm not going for the atmosphere and tailgating and all that and checking out. I just want to go up there and see what they look like in person, and I want to see the receiver rotations. I talked to um, uh, Xavier Jordan on Friday. He told me he's going to the game. Exact same thing. I want to go see what the you know the the receiver rotation, see if they use the freshman, how much they use them. So getting those guys out there, giving them opportunities, and also it's great for those guys' development to get a feel for the speed of the game, to understand, you know, when you're going someone uh, the intensity of a game atmosphere versus practice, 
And now can you translate that to practice? Because you go through practice and you go through six months and you feel like, or you, you know, you go through half the season, six weeks or whatever, and you're not getting the game. You're practicing, you're practicing hard, but you don't realize it's at a different level. So you've kind of, you're kind of still on the same level from high school game days and then college practices. And, you know, if you're depending on how well the coaching staff does as far as making game uh, uh, practices game like, uh, then you may be falling behind a little bit if you're not getting those actual game reps. And then it's also the, the game reps are great just because you have literal tape. Coach can say, look what you did in the game. This ain't practice anymore, son. Look what you're doing in the game. I, I need, I need you, I need to make plays in the game. We ain't talking about practice. I'm but getting it, PTSD from football coaches yelling at me. <laughs> you, you, you had very coach like breaking you, breaking you off in front of the entire room going on right there. Vibes. You gonna do? Go cry to your mom. We ain't got time for that. This is a game. Let's go. We got, we got to go, Chris. We got to go. Uh, uh, no. I had stock up on. Um, a real quick one, just to go off your overreaction. I careless vitriol. Like, come on, like we're just throwing hate everywhere at some people. For let's just calm down. One game, first game of season. People saying Demi Jackson is terrible and stuff. Like he's a five star cornerback who's super raw, who hasn't played in two years. Yeah, he's going to have a little rust in his first game. He's going to, you know, he's going to make a mistake here or there. Um, but the fact that you see the potential he has, those are the big things. Um, so let's calm down with the careless vitriol. But I have stock up on special teams excitement. You know, how long has it been since she's like, all right, you, you got to make sure that you're paying attention every punt, every kick return, uh, because you never know what number one might do back there. And unfortunate for us, sometimes in the past, Punt returns or kick returns are a great time to get information on the sideline, whether it be check on an injury update, whether it be try to get some close-up photos and stuff. And unfortunate, Chris was out of – Oh, come on. Come on. You didn't need to name names. You didn't need to name names, but you name names. You're Chris a snitch, not, not in position to get the highlight of the night, and neither was I because I was like four feet away from him. Um so I was trying to get the catch. Hey, I got the catch of the, the kick return. It doesn't look anything close to as good as the return itself. But that's, you know, it's it's a different time now when, when you have a, a player of that caliber back there that can do so much. Um, and, you know, he showed it not only with the kick return that was fantastic. He showed the burst, showed the speed, showed the ability to make guys miss all in one play, but also the punt returns. You know, he, I think – I think it was Antonio Morales from the Athletic had the stat. It was something like USC last year had something 84 punt return yards. 83, 83 punt return yards last year. And then Zachariah Branch ended the game with what 55? Um, so 66. You know, so he's what 17 away from eclipsing last year's total. Now, if if I'm any opponent, I won't give him a chance to add to that because I will not kick the ball anywhere near him. Um, I will kick it out of bounds and take my 35-yard punt versus trying to get a 45-yard one and to get return for 60. Um, so, But, you know, there's just that excitement level around anytime he touches the ball. And so special teams is now back as an asset for USC rather than being like, oh, no, what's going to happen on special teams? And you, there's still a little bit of that. Go get the ball on onside kick. I know there was a legal block. They didn't call it right, but go get the ball. Why are you waiting around? Also, I, kick, kick the ball. In, don't kick the ball out of bounds. You know, those two things. 
I also had special teams, not special teams assignment, just special teams in general, because, you know, they were very below average to bad at sometimes they needed to turn around and look how much having a guy like Zachariah Branch back there changes a lot of things for the special teams. I pictured on this, this night of, you know, Zachariah Branch becoming a star and the special teams playing, you know, respectably well you know they had a i think they had a good game obviously it's boosted by branch doing branch things but i I had the image of john baxter sitting on the couch like at the end of dodgeball i should have won that tournament (laughs) fucking Chuck norris i I had that image of him uh watching this game maybe somewhere (laughs) wherever john baxter is i had that image but yes it is and just from in my defense of me missing the the kick at the kickoff i just want to say I use special teams as an opportunity, especially last year, as an opportunity to gather more ghost notes on the sideline. But obviously now I can never not record a punt return or a kickoff return this season because that's the potential that Zach has, Zachariah Branch has, to take one back and make something special every time he touches the ball. Now, a lot of those kicks are probably not going to go his way after what he did uh, on Saturday. He's going to be avoided like the plague, but there are going to be a couple where he's going to get, you know, fearless and, and going to try to bust one. So I, I learned my lesson, you know, last year I could take, I could, I could be lazy a little bit and not record special teams because chances are nothing really great was going to happen in terms of return. But now that is not the case for uh 2023. So yes, stock up on those special teams. I had, you know, this is another kind of quick one, not like an overarching one, but just stock up on uh, Miller Moss. Obviously, great to see him get in the game and to score that that rushing touchdown. Show him, I'm a dual threat. Prove to everyone. And, you know, it was a great play. Great, great pull by him to go and untouched in the end zone. Celebrated with the team. You know, he's been a guy who's stuck around when he could have easily left and, you know, wants to learn. He, he, he understands learning from the best college, the quarterback coach in the country in Lincoln Riley and being in that room with Kayla Williams and learning and soaking up as much as he can. So he understands that. So just to him, just for him to be rewarded and, you know, he got a good amount of drives in this one. You know, I don't think he got a good amount of drives until like the Colorado game or something like that. It was late in the season. So he got some, uh, some key playing time. Good for his development, especially if he tries to make a run for that starting job in 2024. So good leg up for him. Uh, he got some time against Rice last year. Let's not say he didn't. He got a full quarter there. He got drive and a half in this game. I mean, it makes some nice plays. And he made some throws. The nice throw on the play action over to Deuce Robinson over the middle, put it up high so your receiver can go get it. The big smile on his face after he runs it in. That was that was the best part uh, to me, though. I did tell you afterwards. We saw Kyle McDonald um, as we we're you know as he was kind of leaving the stadium. I was like, Chris, you got to go ask him. What's up with your quarterback stealing the, the rushing touchdown? You got to tell, tell the backup quarterback he's got to get the ball to the running back. You know we got to we got to get in the end zone. You guys don't need to be padding your stats over here. So, um, but crushed. It was a great play. <laughs> but no, he, he, he did. He said read, that too. He would have said that too. He read it perfectly, and he waltzes in the end zone, and that's that's the um, allure of that read option. You know, even if a quarterback who's not, you know, Kyler Murray. And still, if you read it right, you know, that's you, you take advantage of the defense being over aggressive at attacking the running back, which is exactly what happened. And he waltzes right in. So he, he continues to do everything right. 
And that's, you know, that's all you can ask for from your backup and your potential starter down the line when Caleb Williams is gone. So, you know, he continues to, to do everything right. And you want to continue to get him as many opportunities as possible. And if you can get Malachi Nelson in there more, I mean, he, he didn't have a great showing in his, you know, one for three for zero yards, but you want to give him those reps again, game speed, reads, doing all those things. All right, I can learn from what I saw of myself on tape against a defense, not knowing where the defense runs, all those type of things. So I, I thought that was uh, great as well. Um, another uh, or, or a young guy that I have stock up on, I think we're going to see a lot more Elijah Hughes this week. He was he only played I think seven eight snaps, but he was he was an impact player on those seven or eight snaps. He was in the backfield, I think, at least three times. He had a tackle for loss. He got held on his first play in the game. So you're creating negative plays like that as a true freshman, a, a guy that we didn't really know what we're, USC was going to get with him, where he would fit into the rotation. We've seen USC go across the country and get a three-star defense lineman and not work out for him in the past multiple times. Uh, but he comes in here as making immediate impact. You know, we've heard about how, uh, you know, the motor he has and the relentlessness. And I think we saw some of that. He just, he, he pad level, you know, go watch back and watch his couple snaps and see where his pads are. He gets low and he just kind of was scooping underneath the offensive lineman and getting to the backfield. So I think we'll see uh, more from him. And I, you know, um, Lincoln Riley on Trojans Live actually mentioned it. He said, Hey, we were watching it on uh, on, on Sunday when they were watching the film. He said he was one of those guys we we were really excited about. I'm like, I don't know why I don't know why he had to wait till Sunday to see that boy. He was making plays on Saturday, and uh, it was seemed pretty uh, evident to my eyes on at field level. But yeah, I think he's a guy that's going to you know be stock up. So a guy that because we don't get to watch much practice, didn't really know much about. He came in the fall. So still, you know, didn't see him in the spring game or anything like that. So de- definitely an impressive debut there. And like you said, they played a ton of freshmen. And outside of Zachariah Branch, he might have had the best uh, freshman performance. I know Deuce had some catches. He was targeted six times. Jacoby Lane had a catch. Mekhi Lemon had a catch. Uh, Marion Peterson, Quentin Joyner both had some runs. Quentin Joyner had some nice runs. But I think Elijah Hughes is my guy as the, the next best freshman debut. I also had Elijah Hughes on my list. Obviously, DMV products, so you know I obviously have to give him some love. Shotgun, can you tell me though what star rating he had out of high school? Elijah Hughes, yes, three star, right? Yeah. So for all the people that poo poo three stars, oh, I okay. just want to let you know that they can be impact players. I'm just saying, three star is nothing too shy about now. Props to Sean Nua and their scouting for for looking at him and being like, yeah, this is the guy that we want to bring in. And, you know, obviously they still need to recruit some more blue chip defensive linemen. But Elijah Hughes early looking like a steal out of the DMV and a, and a guy that I'm excited to see more from this season because he is raw. You know, people have said he is a raw prospect, but that motor and that work ethic. Hey, we're only going to see him get better with the more reps that he does get. So excited to see more about Elijah Hughes. Like I said, he was also on mine that's kind of it for the stock up i know for me i try to limit mine because i know shotgun does too many too many is the answer not not more than everyone it's too many and i know shotgun probably has one more or three more or five more okay i got two more how about that i'll put it in between okay okay, Uh, okay. i'd stock up on different looks because i thought both the offense and defense showed a lot of different things i think that's probably um a strategy type thing to 
you know, force other teams to be preparing for the triple option kind of look that USC ran. Um, and also, you know, that look with Christian Roller Wallace in the middle of defense. I think it's one different, it's a different look to try it out. Let's see how this works. Maybe we'll scrap it later, but you saw a lot of two back look. And that's something you saw in the Rice game last year. USC used some two back look, first drive of the season. You saw uh, Austin Jones in there blocking for, uh, for Travis Dye. Um, but it's not something you saw a lot uh, later in the season. So we'll see if any, what, uh, which of those different looks we did see, if those continue or if that was kind of a first game thing, was kind of throw everything out there and kind of sample a little bit of everything. So that was one I had for stock up. And I want to give stock up house of victory. Um, we got to stop by the tailgate. This is my first house of victory event. I don't know if Chris, if you've been to any other, I know Ryan's been to some of them, but I was really impressed with the event, even though we were there, you know, pretty early and had to leave pretty quickly, you know, as far as it wasn't packed or anything yet. And all the athletes hadn't got there, but you know, if if you were a fan and you get a chance to go, one the the food was tremendous from Rex Steakhouse. Give that stock up to Rex Steakhouse. One, um, but sponsor us. Yeah, and they had they had signature drinks and stuff too. You know, if if you're into that, um, there's music, all that type of stuff. But just getting to chat with other people, I had a really good time. You know, meeting some of the the, the donors and different things. And shout out to Sue. Um, you know, we had a great conversation with her. Um, and she says she, she's a, a Helium Boy listener, so got to give her a shout out. But you know, I, you oh. you know, if you get a chance to go and hey, Frosty Rucker's there, and you get to pick Frosty Rucker's brain. Like how much of fun is that as a fan, especially if you grew up with, whether it's, you know, Mark Sanchez or Frosty Rucker, or if it's current athletes, you know, I think Boogie Ellis was there later after we had left. Some of the baseball players were there. So I chatted with them for a little bit, but like just getting to know the players a little bit more on an off the court, off the field situation, I think is really fun as a fan. So, you know, I thought the house of victory tailgate, I don't know exactly what the costs are and all that. And if it's feasible for our listeners or not, but you know, if you get a chance to go, it, it's it, it seemed it was really fun to me, and I thought they they did it, they did it really well, and I think that they'll you know have an opportunity to continue to build that. And you know, if they're doing those type of events well, then hopefully that's good for USC's NIL stuff going forward, so they can stay at least you know even par with everyone else around the country because that's really what you want. You just want it to be even. That's what Lincoln Riley wants. He mentioned that uh, on the Thursday the press conference. You know, he just kind of wants it to be an even playing field and then go from there. I think he trusts in his recruiting staff and his own ability to recruit um, that if it is even, then he'll do really well. So, you know, I had stock up on the House of Victory and their tailgate stopping by there. It was really fun. I just want to point out that Shotgun actually crashed that event because he was not on the list to get in. And he just somehow I was supposed still... to be. Thank you. I, I Ryan said that you were going to be off doing your own thing. So I was like, is shotgun going? And he's like, that's what he told me. So I, when you called me, you say you were coming over. I was like, all right, he's going to have to schmooze the, the bouncer at the, at the entrance. There was no bouncer, but it was a security guard. Shotgun. I, no, there was, there was a person if, if standing by the door, makes you a security guard. Then I've been a security guard uh, met multiple times in my life, but let's transition into our next, and Shotgun doesn't participate in this, but I'm going to do a quick stock neutral, and then he can play into stock down. Oh, He's already goodness, shaking his Chris. head. He how, have, how have you board. gone? How have you gone down this path of darkness? Just got. I gotta. I gotta rep, represent Keely. R.I.P. She's not dead, but just 
uh, <laughs> for this podcast. Uh, just two very quick stock downs for me, or stock neutrals, excuse me. Yeah, uh, just go ahead and being, go stock down because there's no thing right. stock neutral. I uh, I knew you were going to jump on that. Uh, stock neutral <sighs> tackling. They tackled better, only six missed tackles, but it wasn't enough to to tell me, look, they're going to be a much better tackle. It was in, it was improvement, but I'm still need to see more before I can say definitively stock up or stock down. So we're just leaving them there. And then stock neutral on Zion Branch, still very high on Zion Branch. I thought he would play a lot more than he did. It didn't seem like with all the rotation going on, he didn't get in as much as I thought. I know he got in later. Uh, Shotgun will probably have a full number for him but it, it had it couldn't have been a lot i don't remember seeing him a lot in there outside of maybe a couple special teams early in the game and then he got in at the end but yeah i'm still big on zion branch i just thought he would play a lot more in this game maybe in the battle game we'll see him come in there a little bit more but still just holding on not putting him in the stock down but just a stock neutral need to see more of him obviously he's a young player that has not played college football well made his debut over the weekend but has not made uh, obviously taking significant reps at the college game. And I think he's a very talented player that can help this secondary and this defense in general. So those are yeah. my stock neutrals. Shotgun, you can go to stock down or you can comment on those. Um, on Zion Branch, you know, uh, he played five or six snaps. He played on the drive and was playing beside Kalen Bullock. It was kind of a, you know, they gave up a touchdown. They gave up that big run, the 57-yarder. Um, but it was, it was kind of a unique blend of starters versus – guys that aren't in the rotation fully. Um, so that was kind of interesting to see them in there. I mean, we saw Corey Foreman later in that drive, um, a couple other people. So that was a, a unique little little uh, mix of, of guys. I did expect to see them a little bit more. They didn't really rotate much of the safeties. It was a lot of, uh, you know, Kalen Bullock played most of every snap. He played 70 snaps, um, may have played every snap, actually, now that I'm looking at it. Um, so he's the one guy that didn't come off the field. And then, you know, Jalen Smith at the nickelback spot played almost every snap. He played 62, according to PFF. I haven't finished tallying up all my stuff because uh, me and PFF have a little bit difference because they count penalty plays. I don't – that's not an official play, so I don't count it. But um, the other safety spot, Max Williams, played almost 50 snaps. So not a ton of rotation in there. Even guys like Bryson Shaw, who I thought we'd see, you know, fairly regularly. He played 15, 16 snaps. So there just wasn't a ton of rotation at the safety spot. So that was one of the interesting things there where there was a lot of rotation on the Divas line. The linebackers, obviously, almost every drive or every two drives, there's different guys in there. But at, at the back end, you didn't really see that that much. There was some rotation at the cornerbacks, nickel back a little bit. Uh, but, you know, with, with uh, Christian Rolla Wallace kind of moving all over the place, he was kind of the rotational piece. It was kind of six guys with Bryson Shaw maybe kind of being a seventh guy. We saw a little bit of Jacoby Covington, not much. I was a little surprised how little we saw of him as well. And uh, Zion Branch, those two guys in particular were the two I thought would be kind of in the mix as well, but they were not. So be interesting again next week. Is it the same? Is it different? Did someone else earn more playing time? Someone lose playing time? Those are the type of things that are kind of fun the first couple of weeks for me, you know, when I'm going through and charting everything to look at, um, you know, seeing those two guys. Um, as far as stock down, I'm going to start with the offensive line. You know, I thought that there would be more of a cohesive unit by now. And yes, I, I and maybe that was thinking too much or, you know, believing in Josh Hinson a little too much. I still, I, you know, I think he's a great coach. And I thought maybe he could push them along a little bit further than maybe it should be. Or maybe I'm just spoiled from the last couple of years, USC just having so many veterans that knew each other that were going to be the starters. 
that they knew exactly where the next guy was going to be beside him. Next guy was going to be, and you basically it was last couple of years is four guys. And there was one new guy kind of getting in the mix. There's four guys or five guys who were kind of battling for four spots. And there would be one new guy, Bobby Haskins, you know, what, whatnot. Now guys have moved around, but this year, no one is at the same spot they were at last year. There's not one starter returning in the spot he was at last year. There's only two the the two returning guys that are your your mainstays. Justin Dedich moves to, to center. Jonah Monheim flips over to the other side, and then everything else, like we talked about earlier, was kind of a rotation. So uh, the offensive line was not as good as I anticipated it being, and that's a, a group that has to get better because you have to protect thirteen and keep him because he's the talisman. Um, you know, he's your lucky charm. He's going to do everything to lead you to victory. You got to keep him safe and healthy back there in the pocket. I had stock down on sacks because, you know, this was a defense we obviously talked a lot about, especially the defensive front. They're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger on that front. And they're going up against a San Jose offensive line. They gave up 42 sacks last year. And even though they have a lot of starting re- returning experience, you know, you still thought that USC was going to be able to get get to the quarterback. And obviously he is a runner. He's a mobile guy and he's did a great job in doing that. But I just thought they had listed for one sack and I just thought, you know, they were going to get, you know, at least, at least four sacks uh, on this game. So to only have one when the dust is settled after, uh, after the, you know, the final whistle, is just disappointing. So I'm just going to get stocked. And, and I think, I think they did get good pressure at times. It just it just wasn't in the cards for them to actually, you know, get that critical stat of a sack. So one, which was given, you know, to half to uh Solomon Bird and or yeah, Solomon Bird and Bear Alexander, you know, just stock down for me just on to finish the game with one sack. Yeah, that was a big one. It was a 22-yard loss. But, yeah, I agree. I thought there would be more. I had stock down similarly on rush lanes, and I think that's why they did not have as many sacks is because they got out of the rush lanes. That's something that has to be cleaned up immediately. Can't be waiting around to get that fixed. Um, and that that goes with the linebackers. It goes with the defense alignment as well. Lincoln Riley was excited about the push they were getting, the physicality. He said he liked the physicality. He said their mistakes weren't physical. They said there were either a lack of communication or there were a couple of missed assignments. Um, but he, he felt like for all the motion shifts that San Jose State did, they played a pretty good game. And then, you know, the third and 22, everyone's talked about that one. He said Mason Cobb got out of his gap. So, you know, I also had starting linebackers on my stock down. You know, I expect a little bit more out of Mason Cobb and Taggart Curtis. You know, all we heard from them, I expected those guys to have a little bit better game. Mason Cobb, but actually both of the guys got out of their rush lanes a little bit, got out of their gaps a little bit on some runs. Um, so Cordero had seven scrambles for 78 yards. So, you know, he didn't he it wasn't like design runs that he was getting out and getting yards. And he finished with, I don't know what, 80 yards or something from scrimmage, um, and had one negative play. I don't I don't have the stats uh uh, opened up right now, but you know that was all it came from was scrambles, and a lot of that is letting him get out, of, getting outside of your pass uh, rush lanes, and therefore giving him a gap to be able to step up and then go because they were getting good pressure and getting back to the quarterback, um, but not necessarily getting their hands on him, getting him on the ground. So I, you know, I think you take away from the pass rush, there are some definitely some positives there. If you clean up the rush lanes, now the quarterback doesn't have anywhere to run. 
you feel like, okay, that's when the sacks will start coming. But I completely agree. I was, I was surprised that they only had one sack at the end of the day. I had stock down on turnovers just because I think we were spoiled in the last home opener where they got three defensive touchdowns. And, you know, this was a good team that was so, so good at taking away the ball and taking care of the ball uh, for themselves on offense. But, you know, obviously two opportunities with that Demonte Jackson just kind of hits him and he wasn't exactly ready for it and near first career interception. That's, that's a tough one. And then that fumble that, you know, I'm not, I don't knock players for not getting fumbles because it's a, it's a mad dash for those, but you know, to force that fumble, then, you know, kind of a mad scramble for it, but just not to get a turnover. I thought they would at least created one uh, on Saturday, but so I have stock down on a turnovers. Well, that one actually, the uh, refs, when I went back and watched it, they did not rule out a fumble. So that's why it didn't show up mm-hmm. in the stat sheet. Uh, they said his forward progress was stopped, actually, or else that would have been like a 28 to 30 yard loss <laughs> because he just kept going backwards and was stripped by, I think Solomon Burr's the one that actually got the ball out. But he and Bear Alexander were both there. And that also shows you 22 yard loss, your defensive tackle is back there. It's not a guy coming off the edge. It's and and you know give credit to Solomon Burr because he stayed in his rush lane, stayed outside, would not let Shevin Cadero get outside and he kept that containment. So he had he had nowhere to go because also now Bear Alexander was there coming from the middle and that's how you get those sacks. Is you got to keep the outside containment as well as pushing up in the middle and you, the quarterback has nowhere to go. And that was so often the case where someone came off the edge, Anthony Lucas a couple times came off the edge and Kader was just like, "All right, peace out, I'll go the other way." And the uh, the defensive line was whether they were slanting or shifting or doing things or if they were just individually not staying in their pass rush lanes. There was openings on the opposite side and there would be some pressure. So that's something that has to be cleaned up there. I had stocked down for number of possessions. And, you know, those, those, the, the shot clock um, was running, you know, it, it changes things for sure. Um, you know, basketball shot clock equals more possessions. This is the opposite of it with the, the changes to the clock operation as far as on first downs um, until the final two minutes. We, we definitely felt that. That first quarter went by quick. Um, Lincoln Riley actually said that the review at the end on Trojans Live, he made a joke that the review at the end took longer than the first quarter because the first quarter there were a lot of completions and a lot of runs. USC opened the game. I think a 10 of their first 14 offensive plays were runs. A little bit surprising there. But, you know, they still scored touchdowns, so who am I to say anything? But, you know, that's, that's something we're going to see. And teams – especially teams that are inferior, um, that, that that's going to be an issue, that they're going to try to slow the game down as much as possible. They're going to try to you know keep them the less possessions as possible, at least possession as possible, because less chances for USC's offense to, you know, to be able to pull away. Um, that's the thing. When you're in a game, this is the four corners kind of method, you know, before the shot clock in basketball. You try to limit as many possessions as possible and stay as close as you can and then make something happen at the very end. And I think teams are going to try to do that um, if they think, especially if they have a run game that can, you know, uh, force the issue against USC. And I thought it was, it was a good sign for USC's defense. The run game before the fourth quarter was really good. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, there were, there were one or two maybe runs of 10 or 12 yards uh, or at least 10 yards. But otherwise, until the fourth quarter, the the run game looked pretty good. Now, fourth quarter, 
defense again, that's that's something we haven't really mentioned either on tunnel vision or instant analysis. Like defense has to be better in the fourth quarter, no matter what the situation is. That was something they preached. What what was the saying all offseason? The longer it goes, the better we get. Well, you need to show it on defense. I don't care if it's you know, if it's garbage time technically on some of the advanced stats. I don't care if you have some backups in. If you still have some starters in, make some plays. Don't give up 57 yards right up the middle because your defensive, your edge guy goes way outside and your defensive tackle goes, you know, inside the 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 center and suddenly there's a huge gaping hole. And, hey, you did it because maybe you thought they were going to pass because it's the fourth quarter and they're down. They didn't pass and they ran a long way, so get it cleaned up. If you have any more stock downs, you can. Uh, I think I'm out, I'm out, Chris. I'm out as wow, well. Wow, that's a that, that's a short stock down for shotgun. Maybe the shortest in stock down, stock up, stock neutral history. So now we try to we try to keep it to three to five at max. Try to stay at three, and then usually one or two others pop in as I'm thinking as we're talking. So you know, they were good. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Next topic is obviously, you know, we don't spend too much time on doing a game preview, but week one opponent coming up is obviously Nevada. Now, this will be less of a test. Than San Jose State, you know, Nevada is it struggled last season. That's, you know, maybe an understatement. They are definitely in rebuild mode. They had two wins last season and they entered in this they enter this game on a 10 game losing streak. They're kind of in a little bit of a rift too. two coaches have left the team. Their quarterback coach left uh, about a, several days ago, resigned. 
they moved on there and they also replaced their special teams coordinator who left as well. So some some stuff going on behind the scenes with Nevada. There will be, you know, last week was a homecoming for Chase Williams. Not uh, the, the best USC. one for him, though, because Zachariah Branch broke his ankles. One on one, one on one crime. And yes, there was a homecoming for him, the former USC safety Got some love for the fans, but there will be a bunch of familiar faces in this game. Elijah Winston is on Nevada, the Wolfpack, and, you know, he had two sacks last season, so he's been a contributor for them. John Jackson, the third, the wide receiver, he played on this team last year, entered the transfer portal, is now in Nevada. This will be his first game with them, so interested to see if he does anything in the Coliseum. And then some non-USC guys, uh, Brendan Lewis, the former Colorado starter, he is transferred to Nevada. He is projected to be there starting quarterback for this one, and then former USC running back target and Oregon transfer. Sean Dollars is projected to be their starting running back. So obviously this is another game where, you know, Nevada has recruited California really well and, you know, gotten a lot of guys from there. Just like San Jose State, a lot of familiar faces and names. So this is going to be another one. But this has a feel of another another scrimmage-like game, and USC should easily overpower the Wolfpack. Yeah, don't forget one other um, familiar face, a friend of the program, uh, his father, um, is Jason Rodriguez. You know, He's actually not listed on the roster. He's not listed on the roster. Oh, okay. I, I, got, I was I just saw. pulling up the depth chart. That's unfortunate. Uh, maybe there's something technicality there with the, the transfer or whatnot, but you know, he also went to Nevada. So I wonder if it has something to do with he medically retired at USC and then was then entered into it. So we'll see if that has something to do with it. Uh, another familiar name, or at least to me, I don't know if you ever came, covered uh, Shane Illingworth, who was at uh, Norco and then went out to Real Oklahoma tattoo. State. Yeah, Oklahoma State actually started as a freshman. So he, uh, you know, I guess he's the backup quarterback. So that's kind of interesting. So maybe Brendan Lewis has kind of taken a step forward, you know, after he was not very good, um, you know, his pre- previous stop. So we'll, we'll see if uh, their offense can do something different. Because their offense was atrocious last year. One of the worst offenses in the country. Uh, as far as total offense, they were 122nd in the nation out of 130 teams. You know, a lot of their statistics on offense are in the hundreds. That ain't good uh, when there's only 130 teams. So, you know, that's going to be the big thing. They couldn't throw the ball at all last year. And I don't know that Brendan Lewis is the guy that I had confidence in can throw it either against USC's defense. And I'm really interested in one aspect of this because Nevada does, while they're bad on uh, offense, they do have a Cal transfer who is a massive tight end, uh, Kaleki Latu, who's six foot seven, 270 pounds. So I'm interested to see how USC's defense and their secondary matches up with a big tight end, which is obviously, you know, a lot of USC fans are just shivering right now thinking of a big tight end massacring them. Even though, you know, Nevada isn't the greatest offense, it'll be a nice little test for them to match up against a big body tight end. Yeah, interesting. I thought that, you know, San Jose State was supposed to be able to use the tight ends. Their tight ends just didn't catch the ball. They had some opportunities for some short catches early in the game. I thought USC was on the tight end every time, but, you know, against uh, Utah, it wasn't like he was. they were wide open all the time. It's just they were bigger, stronger, and they caught everything, and then USC couldn't tackle them. So that was something we didn't really see in that San Jose State game is – Hey, once that t- that tight end makes a catch, does USC make the tackle? 
that was more the issue last year than just the tight ends, you know, carving them up with, you know, Travis Kelsey route running or something. It was the the inability to tackle that big body. And Latu will be a challenge. He's 6'7", 230, I think is what he's listed at. So, you know, yep. we'll see if USC can, can get into the ground if they do throw it to him. And hopefully they do so we can kind of get that data point and find out, you know, can USC slow that, that kind of type of position down? You know, unfortunately, you know, Stanford will come in the next week and it's not the Stanford of the old where you would definitely get challenged by the tight ends. You know, the Colby Parkinson's and all those guys uh, before him, Austin Hoopers and those type of guys, the big body guys that just boxed you out and just dominated for so many years with Jim Harbaugh and through the early portion of David Shaw's run. So we'll see, though. I mean, it's something that will definitely come up in about what a month and a half. When they play Utah, I think Utah will probably throw the tight end. And something I forgot to mention at the top of this little Nevada preview is that USC is 5-0 and against the Wolfpack, and they haven't played each other since 1929, Shotgun. 1929, Herbert Hoover was the president of the United States. A couple other things. 1929 was the first year of the Academy Awards, so that was just going Wall Street famously crashed uh, on in 1929, and then frozen food was invented in 1929. And I'm gonna have a little bit more fun with that year with you and take it or leave it later. So just just be ready, shotgun. I'm just, I'm just warming you warming up now. Frozen foods from Bird's Eye, actually, I believe, was the the first one there, or you know, one of those uh, companies that's still around, which is kind of cool. Um, it's been 94 years since they last met. This is also the will mark the hundredth anniversary of the team's meeting in 1923 in the second ever college football game. And it was played in the brand new Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Wow. That is a hundred years. So actually they're they're going to have a celebration of some sort, I believe uh, for it being the hundredth anniversary for the Coliseum. First time USC had played in it, at least I don't know if there had been any other football games, played in the Coliseum before that or not. Yeah, a lot of a lot of history going on since these two teams have uh played each other. So I, I don't expect this to be a great game on the field. Great if you're a USC fan, but yeah, Nevada comes in, not a struggling program, but yeah, there will be a lot of history made when these two teams play. And you know, I hope they they celebrate that in, in the right way. Shotgun, anything else about Nevada? Or are you ready to jump into some questions? Real quick, you have on our rundown here, you have another scrimmage game. And I think it's interesting. I think it's going to be interesting to see how USC approaches this game differently from the first game. You know, do they truly treat this? Because just because Lincoln Riley mentioned it multiple times in fall camp about we don't have a preseason. But maybe they treat this kind of like the preseason in the NFL. Now they're down to three games. You could really treat the first three games and then have a bye like the preseason as far as just talent. You should be able to at least. Now, I don't advise them to, you know, play Caleb Williams two drives and then take him out of the game and say he's rested. No, let's get those stats up so we can uh, have a trip to New York again this year. That'd be fun. I enjoyed the trip to New York last year. It's great for me. It's near nearby. Chris is going to come out this year if it happens, making that happen. Oh. All right, okay. Chris. Yeah. Okay. Helium boys do New York in the Big Apple. Helium yeah. boys in the Big Apple. 
Yeah, then you can do the ghost it. notes because I spent way too long doing the ghost notes for that. But there was an awesome ghost notes because I was hanging out with Carson Palmer and Matt Liner and, you know, the Heisman luncheon or breakfast thing that they did was amazing last year. So it was really fun. Uh, but it was, a, it was a great day. Great, r- really fun to, to be a part of something historic for USC, their eighth Heisman Trophy winner in Caleb Williams. And it would be a historic one this year if he can get back and potentially win it again. But he's going to have to put up stats. And there's going to be less possessions. And if USC can blow some teams out, then there's going to be less there's going to be less time for him to to put up some of those stats because he won't be playing all the games. So we'll see how they treat these early games because those stats add up too at the end of the year, in case you didn't know, Chris. I did not know that. Thank you for uh, informing <laughs> me about that. Let's get into some questions and let's get with some pace. Shotgun. I got to rest that beautiful voice of yours. Works first for me. question. First question, because shotgun is injured and I have to do this for him. Uh, I'm actually, this front is kind of a blanked out. USC Trojan 2205. Who was the most impressive newcomer to you on defense outside of the big names? Bear, Lucas, Tackett. Uh, Well, we already mentioned uh, Christian Roland Wallace. We already talked about him being up there. I I actually like Jamil Muhammad a lot. I thought he came off the edge really well. I, uh, he was a menace at times, you know, I, he didn't have, I don't, I don't know what the, the snap breakdown was for him, but I, I did notice him a lot, especially that, that one play where he just came out of my, my viewfinder, like a bat out of hell and just smash uh, Shevin in the back and got that ball out for an incompletion. So yeah, I would say Jamal Muhammad is someone who I had a lot of stock in. So I, I think he, uh, he showed why I had so much hype for him. That was interesting. I thought you were going to say, oh, we kind of already talked about Elijah Hughes because that's the first guy that came to my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I, it, when you say, when you kind of use the qualifier outside of the big names, like you could say Christian Roller Wallace is a big name. You could even say Jamil because I, I feel like we've talked about them a lot. Um, so Elijah Hughes, again, stuck out to me just because he's a guy that kind of sprung on the radar out of nowhere as far as getting playing time and getting uh, making the most of those opportunities. So I was really impressed by him. I, like I said, I think you'll see him. I think he played seven or eight snaps. I think that'll be up to, you know, at least 15, probably 20 in this next game. I think he's going to get his opportunities next week based off this, if he has a good week of practice. So he was the guy that, that popped to me, but also Christian Rolla Wallace as well was in there. And I did like Jamil Muhammad. So all the names that we kind of mentioned, yeah, those, those guys flashed. And I thought, a bunch of the guys on the defense flashed. It's just getting uh, this, the word they used all fall camp consistency and getting all guys to be on the same page on each play, you know, those type things. And those are things that can be cleaned up. Now that's up to the coaching staff. And that's why in three weeks, if you're having the same issues, break out the pitchforks because the coaching staff's not doing their job on the defensive side. But for now I say, Ooh, look at the flashes. Ooh, what could they become? And that's where my focus is after week one. That kind of plays into our next question from Gustavo, specifically about newcomers and, and flashing. Uh, hello, Chris and Shadi. What players flash enough in the first game for you to be excited for the growth for this year? Please pick one for each side of the ball besides Zachariah Branch. Well, I think uh, Elijah Hughes is a great pick for this one. I mentioned, you know, he's raw. He's got great motor and work, work ethic based on what he did in those limited time in this game, you know, I'm excited for the growth that he has. So I think Elijah Hughes is an easy one. I know Shotgun just mentioned him, but that's why I was kind of saving him for this question. And then on the offensive side of the ball, 
I think Quinn Joyner is someone who just ran well. I mean, it was, it was a surprise to see him get a carry that early, but he just has a knack for bouncing off of defenders. They, they was He was hard to bring down. So Quinn Joyner, you know, obviously flashed that in the spring game, but to see him actually do it against a different opponent was was encouraging. I don't know how many, if they, it's a case where they want to protect his red shirt, give him maybe just four games, but he looked like capable of being a guy that can contribute this year. But obviously it's crowded with Darwin Barlow also back there as well. But I thought Quinn, Quinn Joyner had some nice runs uh, and ran hard in, in this one. Um, I would say, you know, I'm going to go with Anthony Lucas coming off the edge. I thought the, that's the pass rush they didn't have last year consistently. I thought that he got held a lot. And if they're calling that more, then that changes kind of the dynamic of him being able to get around the edge and get to the quarterback or, you know, for those negative plays on the holding calls. So I, I was I was impressed by him coming off the edge and Jamil Muhammad. I thought just those two guys combined, you know, definitely create more pressure there and bear up the middle, same thing. So that whole defensive front, I really – I'm excited for the growth. They didn't have a ton of, um, you know, stats this game. But I'm excited for what the growth can be, you know, once the entirety of the defense, including the linebackers, stay in the rush lanes, what that could mean for the pass rush as a whole. On the offensive side, and I should caveat, he followed this with a tweet that said, besides Zachariah Branch. So we're not allowed to say Zachariah Branch on this one. What I said, Uh, I said that. I know, but I just wanted to say that he followed with a separate tweet to say that because he really wanted that not to happen. I thought – you know, kind of all the receivers, you, you know, just the fact they mixed and matched so many guys. Dorian Singer made it look so easy, even though he didn't get a ton of opportunities. And then Marshawn Lloyd, I was really impressed with his balance and the way he just stayed up all the time, bouncing off tackles, you know, and, you know, the the combination of his ability to make a guy miss and create extra yards. And Austin Jones, just constant professionalism. Constantly going to get you, you know, yardage. He picked up every uh, first down and stuff like that that you needed. He scored in the red zone, all those type things. Uh, I, I was impressed with him. Next question comes from Bobby Trees. Are we using week zero and possibly one to shuffle the O-line before settling on a stable unit? Yes, I think that's quite possibly what's happening and we i not quite possibly i think that is what's happening you want to get those guys live reps to see and put it on tape and see what you actually have who's going to step up when the bullets start flying and you know in the the gate that actual game speed because practice speed is different from game speed so yeah they're definitely looking to figure out which combination works best who's ready to step up before tightening up and moving on to you know obviously those those Pac-12 games and those obviously those bigger ones in the bottom half. I'm not going to let Shotgun answer this one because he wait, wait. No, I'm minutes, just so. going to give you one quick thing, Chris. Lincoln Riley said tonight on Trojans Live said it will depend on the guys in the room how the rotations change. He said, yeah, hopefully guys separate themselves, but they've got to earn it. He said the offensive line, the individuals have a lot of strengths, but who's going to improve their weaknesses? I thought that was kind of an interesting statement that he, that he pointed that out. Um, so we'll see. You know, the, I think it tells you a lot if the rotations change this week or if they are same and they're ch- still trying to figure it out. I'm kind of editing questions as we go. I'm not focusing on defensive questions because I'm tired of talking about the defense after this one. So sorry if you asked a defensive question. I'm nixing it here. We have Grant Cali. What would your starting defensive line look like? Well, for me, it was actually the defensive that a, line. That's that a put defensive out there. question, Chris. 
That is not a question about why does the defense suck or why aren't we going to get better? I am avoiding these chicken little questions right now. We only have four quarters to look at. We can't make a definitive statement. Defensive line is a specific question. What would your starting defensive line look like? And as I was saying, it was going to look like what actually they put out on the field for game one. I think Bear Alexander as your nose tackle, Keon Bars, which you could flip those around. And then Solomon Burt, I think he earned the right to be in that line as a defensive end with Keon Bars at the defensive tackle and then uh, Bear Alexander the nose tackle. So what they put on the field is actually what I would have put on the field as well. I, I think after seeing the results, I would find a way, at least at times, to have um, Jamil Muhammad and Anthony Lucas on the field at the same time together. Hot 4Q memes. Buffalo sauce enthusiast. All right. Can Branch really be a wide receiver one as a true freshman? I think yes and no. Obviously, it's a very deep room. So will there be a true wide receiver one? I think someone will emerge. Could it be Branch? Absolutely. I think it all depends on what kind of trust Caleb Williams develops with him. And I think that's going to take some time. He showed, you know, he could be dependable in on Saturday. But that's one game. You have to keep doing that in big moments. When you're on the road in South Bend and you need a big first down on a third down because you need a touchdown, who is he going to go to? Branch could obviously be that guy. Dorian Singer could also be that guy. Brendan Rice, there's a bunch of names out there. Taj Washington is a guy as well. So, yeah, I think. Branch could be the wide receiver one. I'm not really banking on it. I think he's going to be a superstar and elite player and is going to help this offense a lot this season. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm I'm finding it harder and harder to believe that one of the slot guys will be receiver one just because there's going to be at least three guys that are fighting for those playing unless they go four wide more often, which they did in this game. Than more often than they did as far as percentage-wise than they did last year uh, as far as having a tight end on the field versus a fourth receiver. But that'll change game plan to game plan. So if there's only if your game plan includes you know 11 personnel, a running back, and a tight end, and you're only using three receivers, are you taking Zachariah Branch off? Are you taking Mario Williams off? Are you taking Taj Washington off? You know Which of those guys is getting in there? How do you kind of figure out uh, what it's going to be? Jacqueline, this one could be for you. Franklin Burris asks, curious if we pulled guards on any of those running plays. Alani Noah, road grader, want to see that. Yeah, Alani Noah moves really well for a big old boy, especially a 17-year-old big old boy. I keep throwing out there, but he's super young for this class. When you have other guys that are going to turn 20 by the end of the season, he's you know going to turn 18 in a couple, uh, I think next month or maybe the month after that. But, yes, they did pull him a, a time or two. They didn't do too much, I don't think, and I think that's you know that's kind of their bread and butter, the different GT pulls and whatnot. But you saw a little bit of it on the 37-yard run that Austin Jones had. He had a big block to kind of set that up, as well as Jonah Monheim coming. Both those guys came from the left side, and Jonah Monheim kind of sealed off the inside, opening up the hole for Austin Jones after Noah came across and kicked out uh, one of the defenders. So, yeah, we saw them a little bit. Um, and Noah's the one guy that flashed probably the most on uh, some of those pulling plays. So, you know, that's definitely something that you keep in mind. He did make some mistakes, as Lincoln Riley said, made some freshman mistakes, but also showed you some flashes of why he's in there. 
Next question comes from Samuel. Do you think Rajon Davis will be given an opportunity to play a much bigger role on defense anytime soon? Eric Gentry and Davis with their speed and Curtis with his upside should be top three linebackers in the rotation, in my opinion. It's interesting. We didn't really talk about Rajon Davis that much on Tunnel Vision and the most of this episode. He obviously got hurt on the first day of fall camp, so he was put kind of behind uh, relative to everyone else, had uh, surgery on his hand for a broken bone in his hand. So he's been trying to get back into the, the thick of things. I think, I hope, I think we could see more of him against Nevada because I think he flashed a little bit on Saturday. So Rajon Davis is obviously one of those guys you see fans keep circling back to, like, let's get him on the field. Let's get him on the field because he does has really good athleticism and really good speed. Two things that linebacker unit needs. Yeah, we saw him for two drives defensively. Both times he was alongside Eric Gentry. Both of them were three and outs. Five, you know, five yards on each drive for San Jose State. So to me, that says, hey, you need to get him back out there some more and see what he can do. Now, again, I got to go back and rewatch it a little bit more in depth and try to try to decipher. It's hard to say, you know, you know what an assignment is, but try to decipher, okay, is he doing the right thing on this play or not? Because that could be the one thing that's holding him back. Um, you know, but when he's been in there the last two years, when he gets opportunities, you know, defense plays better with him on the field and, you know, he's been making the most of it. So I give him more opportunities. And it's interesting how quickly fans have turned from all about Mason Cobb. This guy's aggressive. He's downhill. He hits people to we got to we got to get tacking on the field. We got to get Rajon. We got to get Gentry because their speed and people are leaving out Mason Cobb. Interesting. Throwing that throwing that baby out. Throwing that baby out, baby. Don't worry about the bathwater. Just throw it out. Uh, Shotgun, you can pick one of these three questions left. I will let you pick. Um, I can quickly answer at least two of them. Oh, Eric Pyra said one thing that I'm sure irked so many fans like myself was seeing a defensive lineman walking off the field as a substitution, holding up the referee at the ball, draining precious time off the play clock. Is it time for the NCAA to institute a delay a game on defenses? maybe with less possessions, like maybe that'd be something that's considered. I doubt it will happen though. So that tells me maybe Lincoln Riley says, unless we have to substitute because people are dead tired, we're going to keep the same guys out there for six plays in a row. So defenses can't do that type of thing. So that might be something you see going forward. And then Ishmael asked, Relique, 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 tell me. We getting we're going to see him in the same packages with Branch Lightning Squared. Where was he the first three quarters? He's the fourth guy when when it comes to that you know rotation of slot receivers, and that was a little surprising that we did not see him at all until the fourth quarter. So um, you know that's going to be something to watch. You know because Relique is a talented, talented guy, and with talented guys like that, if they're not getting opportunities, they're probably going to go somewhere else after the season. So, you know, I think if Lincoln Riley is probably going to try to keep him happy, you got to start trying to get him the ball a little bit more, maybe get him in there, but he's got to earn those opportunities. So we'll see if that, uh, where that shows up at. I was surprised we didn't see more of him. And again, he is learning sort of a new position. There's a lot more to deal with yep. a lot more plays to understand. So maybe that could have been holding him back, but I would expect us to see a little bit more, of number 14 against Nevada. So I guess we can just do this final one since it's staring me right in the face. Antonio, we saw a ton of substitutions during the game versus San Jose State. Do you think that the practice reps during fall camp followed a similar 
rep distribution, or do you think there was more of a distinction between designing, or excuse me, designating first team with the bulk of the reps? Interesting question. I can't really yeah. answer that. I don't. I don't really know uh, what that, what the practice reps or the practice reps in fall camp look like compared to what they look like on Saturday. I'm going to be honest. I don't really know. I I'm really stupid and I don't understand what the, what the last part of the question is. Maybe shotgun could break it down for me. I mean, I think that basically saying, you know, in a normal, if you have your depth chart solidified later in the season or, you know, going into the season, then your ones get the vast majority of the reps and the twos get a little bit less and the threes don't get any, you know, especially against scout team. You know, it's 60-40 or 75-25 versus if you're constantly rotating guys like we saw in the game, is it now 50-50 for everybody? So will maybe we see some guys that become starters. Will they take off a little bit? Uh, I think is what this question gets at uh, eventually is, okay, do those guys, because they get more reps in practice, suddenly they're, they start taking off a little bit more. But, you know, at the then you're – you're risking that you lose somebody behind at the same time. That's always the the dilemma with coaches and trying to figure out practice reps and practice schedules and all that type of stuff. So I don't, I can't think of any specific quote that really tells us this happened or didn't happen. And hey, we're giving everybody equal reps in practice uh, versus you know what we saw in the game or you know whether this guy's first team he's getting all the reps. But you know, Chris, you know, you know from the past when fall camp is going on, especially the first three weeks before mock game week, everybody's getting reps. All those freshmen, you know, mm-hmm. the Garrison Maddens of the world that are, you know, eighth on the depth chart as far as at his position um, and totality of the inside linebackers. Those guys that aren't going to be at that spot unless you have a, a rash of injuries at one position, you know, those guys are still getting their fair share of reps the first couple of weeks and seeing who can pop up and say, hey, I need to be getting more when, when we start cutting this down. But then you go to scout team and you got, you know, you focus more on game plans and those type things. And I don't think we got a specific quote anywhere that said that they were doing one way or another. So, but that's a very interesting question and a good, good question there um, from Antonio, I believe it was. My, I had my come to Jesus moment during this. Uh, and I remembered how traumatizing questions have been for me during the family feud podcast days and why I didn't like questions that much because they, they jam up my flow, man. They jam up my flow. So I'm going to have to even, start you being You didn't even answer. Proud. I mean, ask all of them, like, who are our candidates available at D coordinator? Yeah. Someone really, like, someone I, someone like, really I wanted want, to know that. Like, I really want to waste my time on that question. It's the, the answer first is game. Alice Grinch. Yeah. Yeah. The the only He's guy, the guy who available. has the job is the, the guy who has the job is the, is the number one choice at this moment. So I need to start cracking down. And being because I, I deal with this all the time on the composite two star recruits, especially with questions, they break my spirit. This is where I lose most of my time in the in the podcasting genre. The questions break my spirit and I and I don't understand why, but they just slow me down. They break me. So I got to I got to I got to figure out how to get through that that more efficiently. All right. And that will take us to our kind of final segment bringing us before our score prediction of course to end this thing is take it or leave it and shotgun i didn't do a fake corporate sponsor last week because the the phone wasn't ringing you know we didn't get any calls to be the fake corporate sponsor but we got one for this week shotgun we we made it happen oh, uh, it, it developed it, de- it developed 
late last night, you know, so let me just uh, pull up my my script here so we can get this going and give these people some love. They saw uh, Tunnel Vision and realized there was going to be a Helium Boys podcast and had to jump on. Yeah, so thank you to our first corporate sponsor of the Helium Boys podcast and for this season, that's Spirit Airlines. They called me up late last night after I dropped you off at LAX, and I didn't know who it was. I picked up. It was a block number, but here we go. Spirit Airlines, the first fake corporate sponsor of the season. You want to smoke on the plane? Go ahead. Attend a press conference? Feel free. You'll have to bring your own Wi-Fi because we ain't got shit here. Our flight attendants are all passengers we just gave a uniform to. They can't help you. Be lucky you have seatbelts. You'll get where you need to go, but you won't be happy about it. We encourage USC fans to book all away travel with us. We can't afford a discount code because we legally can't charge for lower tickets. Spirit Airlines, the Pac-12 of the skies. <laughs> Tremendous performance, sir. Tremendous performance. I did fly Spirit That's Airlines last night, and I will say that <laughs> I know everyone hates on Spirit. They're they're nowhere near as bad as Frontier for one. But also, I've I not had bad experiences. Knocking on wood, um, the last you know four or five times I've flown on Spirit. And they're actually going to use your clip of asking Lincoln Riley a question for the presser as part of our campaign ad. So well done, I, I do believe that was on American Airlines, though. I I just fly whatever's cheapest and works best with my schedule. So I. I don't really remember off the top of my head. Well, uh, well, congrats because you just uh, lost us the sponsorship deal by uh, revealing that fact live on the air. It's okay; they don't know. Well, the they can't tell. From, they can't tell from the video clip, at least. I said it could have been. Could have been. Let's jump into take or leave it. Shotgun. Zachariah Branch, twelve touchdowns this season. Ooh, 12 touchdowns. Oh, that's that's a high number, Chris. Oh, I'm gonna have to leave a it. Low number. I had to okay. leave it. I want to take okay. it, but okay, I've talked myself into it. I'm taking it. I'm taking it. Oh, he's special. oh he's back. Oh my god, he's I special. had to undo it. He only has he only needs 10 more shotgun. He only has 10 more. Yeah, but remember what happened to Jordan Addison? I'm leaving, I'm leaving it again now. I gotta leave it. I gotta leave it. Oh, remember no. what happened to Jordan Addison last year? What was it like four only, touchdowns the first so two? Times. First two games, and then you know had one the rest of the year or something like that, or five in the first three games, and only had one after that. And you know, I know he has special teams, but teams will start kicking away from him. Also, look at the touchdowns really Brown had last year, so that makes you maybe get a little bit closer to it. But twelve is a big number for a freshman, so I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna say he gets eleven and a half. What now, Chris? And uh, in three more tickets, he's gonna come back and be like, you know what? I talked myself back into it. Uh, <laughs> Take it or leave it. This weekend's game will be the biggest point difference in a win for USC. Take it. Even Take though it. Colorado's bad, Stanford's bad, Arizona State's bad, they're not as bad as Nevada. Uh, next one, USC came close to a couple turnovers last week but didn't get it done. USC has multiple turnovers this weekend. Take it. And if you were to put it at three, I probably still would have taken it. If you put it at four, okay. I might still have taken it. I. I think it's the difference in Chevin Cadero being a six-year guy. He knew when to throw the ball away. He was able to escape out of the pocket. Remember how Brendan Lewis looked and how Colorado was 
awful as a whole. They had no offensive line when USC faced him a couple of years ago in Colorado. But like he just he couldn't throw the ball. He could throw the ball downfield, but had no accuracy on anything else. So I think that there's going to be opportunities. I think the pass rush will be able to get there. I just I just don't think Nevada has much much talent outside of the former USC guys and Sean Dollars. You believe it. Jamil Muhammad was the most impressive player on the front from Saturday. I'm going to leave it. I I liked him, but again, I'm going back to Elijah Hughes. Hughes, And I think that's just because of expectation versus uh, result. I think that plays into it. But I was really impressed by him and the fact he only played eight snaps and made such an impact on those few snaps. Uh, But I also... Jamil Muhammad is up there in the conversation as well as Anthony Lucas and Bear Alexander. Those are the three other guys I thought on the front really you know, showed some big flashes there. And I really like Jamil Muhammad's bend around the corner, seeing that in live for the first time. It's just those offensive tackles, especially if you if you're not if you can't bend, he's going right around you. If you're stiff at all, he's just dipping and ripping. Not a guy who has as much length as Anthony Lucas or Braylon Shelby. He's obviously more compact, but yeah, great Ben helps get get away with that having less length than some of those some of those other guys. He's just a pass rusher, gets to the quarterback. So yeah, great asset for them to have. And the final USC one, take it or leave it, the Ronaldo touchdown celebration. It was good. It was good. I'll I'll take it. Um... I think Zachariah Branch is going to be in the end zone enough over the next couple of years. He should make up his own. Make up his own. Okay. We'll, 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 maybe we'll have to uh, throw that straight, at him. If we straight backflips. Straight backflips. Well, I, if I was a coach, I'd be like, all right, you get one and that's it. You don't want to do nothing crazy now. You don't do nothing crazy now. Uh, Shotgun, that wraps up the USC ones. Are you ready for the fun ones, which I have a bunch? Always. Uh, one is unlike the other, and that is just a very kind of quick high school football thing. Uh, Bishop Amont, St. Paul rivalry. I saw this last week and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. The new head coach of St. Paul had all his players take a test about the rivalry. And if they didn't pass, they didn't get to play on Friday. So take it or leave Whoa. it. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Is he going to play? You were you weren't gonna if you don't if you don't care about this rivalry and what it means you're not you don't deserve to be on that field shotgun. Well, this seems like a school that doesn't get many transfers then, <laughs> because uh, you know if suddenly Bryce Young was coming in as your quarterback and he didn't know about the rivalry. I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry, Bryce can't play. With tears <laughs> down his face. Sorry, Bryce, I can't do it. I can't do it, Bryce. You you got sixty seven on the test, Bryce. Okay. It now do it. was there like was there a little class session on Monday or Tuesday? Like we discussed yeah, I, this, you know. I'm gonna take it though. I like it. I like it. I like it, Chris. Okay, he likes. It. Yeah, I'm a. Sh- I, I'm sure it was like a, like a 30 minute talk, and then they had a quick test at the end of it. I'm, I I feel like that's what it was. It wasn't like a you had a week to prep for this midterm. I think they got a cheat sheet, got a little cheat sheet. You know, like fit anything on there, your next. There might have been a couple of players that were trying. You know, yeah, football players so, find a way. Actually, I didn't. I didn't expect you to uh, take that one, to be honest. But he took it, so okay. I like rivalry. Okay. I like. I like a little history too. You know, come on, let's, let's throw them together. Okay, this this next list of things are things that were 
invented or came about in 1929, as we mentioned for the Nevada game. So I just need a quick take it or leave it. And I'm going to tell you right now, Shotgun, this is a random list of things. So I'm excited to see what you say for these things. And I got a few of them. So let's go through it. Uh, did you know bingo was invented in 1929? So take it or leave bingo. Um, Take it, I guess. It's a fun game for the old people's. I've never been to a bingo hall. I want to, it's on my bucket list to do, but it seems so intimidating. It just seems so intimidating. <laughs> you get all your daughter or whatever, <laughs> your blotter or whatever they call. It. I don't know what they're the bean, uh, paint pen. You know, just paint stamp pen. your thing. Um, I once a uh, company picnic for my stepmom. I think it was. Um, I won a game of bingo and got a. I won a fan. There you go. There you Stand go. Stand a something. fan for my room. And I was like, oh, I won something. It was the is. Like the only time I won something as a kid. Next thing uh, that was invented, sunglasses. Take or leave sunglasses. I don't wear them very often, but I, I will know. take sunglasses. I was going to say, I don't think I've, I've rarely ever seen you wear sunglasses. Maybe maybe once, but my, I don't think my I've ever seen you My eyes don't open day. very much. Uh, I'm in a natural squint most of the time. That's just uh, my genetics. So uh, I keep the sun out that way. And I have a hat. If I need to really turn it around, I will turn it around. I got asked that actually um, by someone, maybe even one of the USC coaches or something. It's like, do you ever, oh, uh, actually a USC staffer. It's like, do you ever wear it frontwards? I was like, occasionally, you know, if the sun's in my eyes, I will turn it around. So it's hard to shoot photos when you have sunglasses on. So I, I, I can, yeah, I can attest to that. Uh, next thing that was invented, uh, the chainsaw. Uh, take it just for or Oregon State's sake. Oh, okay. The Beavers. Third downs. The man-made third downs, baby. Uh, uh, the Soda 7-Up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave it. I'm fine with 7-Up. Heads up 7-Up. I'm more of a fan of that. Okay. Okay. Let's, get, let's get a big game going. Who do you think would win? Uh, for the USC football team in a game of heads up seven up, team wide game. Is that is that the game where you put your head on the desk and yeah, someone comes around and taps you and you have to guess? Yeah, you have to put your thumb up and you guess. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Jamil Muhammad because he gets around, <laughs> he moves around, he can get around things. So I'm gonna say him. He's got that. I'm going with Zach Branch. He's so fast. No one would know that he actually t- touched them. That's that's a great one, too. That's a great one, too. <laughs> uh, Pine Saw. Take it. Leave it. I'm not a big – I don't like the smell of Pine Saw. I'm, I'm all about like cleaners. Cleaners are good. Okay. Uh, you as an editor will like this one. Uh, Times New Roman. The font was invented in 1929. Are you a Times New Roman guy? Like a comic I feel like it's not old enough uh, to be a new Roman. Like, I feel like that should have been like the 15 or 1600s when that happened, 17 at the latest. So I'm going to leave it. I'm disappointed that it's not older. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Popeye the Sailor debuted. Oh, take it. Oh, As a kid, I, I watched, uh, watched some Popeye. Popeye, Brutus, okay. and olive oil. Okay. My dad tried to get me to eat spinach that way. I was like, I'm not eating cooked (laughs) spinach. I used to to fall asleep at the dinner table. My dad's like, you're not going to bed to to eat your spinach. I was like, watch this. I'm going to bed right here. 
Ends up seven up. <laughs> sleep on that save. Right. You do that, can my you... dad comes by and touches my thumb. I'm like, what? What's up? Can you do the uh, Popeye noise? I cannot, especially not with my voice in its current capacity. Uh, we have two more shotgun. Uh, in 1929, Mickey Mouse became the first cartoon character to ever speak. Take it or leave it, Mickey Mouse. I'll take it. He's the OG. Uh, fun fact, the first thing he said, hot dogs. Really? Did not know that. I've Preferred seen the first Lizzie's? cartoon. Uh, cartoon? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that what I said? And I've seen the first one um, at one point. I watched it, but I did not realize that was the first word he said. Yes, he should go by Glizzy's just for your sake, Chris. Glizzy Mouse, of course. Uh, and the final thing, which I found really interesting, a little history lesson. The term zombies was first introduced to the English language in a book called, uh, uh, I, I blanked on it, something island. But it was the first usage in the English kind of language that introduced the word zombies to English speakers. Um, what am I taking and leaving here? Just zombies. Or zombies in general? The zombies in general. <laughs> I'm going to leave those, Chris. I don't think we want those. You don't like I'm a good zombie movie? I'm okay with a zombie movie, but I don't want I don't want actual zombies running around here. Come on, I'm leaving the zombies. Uh, I don't want oh, werewolves no. either or Frankensteins. If you could make any position on the defense, all zombies, which one are you making <laughs> all zombies? Oh, I guess you got to go with, like the defensive line, relentless pass rush. I mean, it depends which zombies we're talking about. Are we talking about like the ones from World War Z? They were were getting after it. They were getting after it, it. Shotgun. I've seen it. <laughs> okay, well, they're getting after it, shotgun. Are we talking like those slow walkers kind of kind of ones? So it, it that was what I was thinking. One. But either way, in both regards, we're still relentless pass rush. Yeah, I would kind of say linebackers because. Uh, they re- read and react really well. I feel like zombies have great read and reaction time. And those movies, Ooh, you know, they're no. Zombies see that body, they're going after it. They're getting <laughs> after the ball. They'll get to that. They'll get to that ball carrier. So I, I, I think I would pick the linebackers, and they could take a beating. They could take a beating and still be True. okay. Uh, my favorite zombies would be Zombie Land. I believe. Zombie Land. Zombie movie. Great one. All the lessons. Double tap. Yep. Any regrets? Garfield, maybe. All right. That's going to wrap up another. Very actually, cool. no. We have a score prediction. Score prediction. We did skip this last week, I think. So I thought, gonna ro- I thought you were going to roll right we, past we it again. We, we didn't. We, <laughs> I keep forgetting we do score <laughs> predictions on here. I apologize. So, Shotgun, I went first last time. I think you should go first this one. This mm. time, so. What's the spread? Do you do you have a spread? I have no idea what the spread is. I will look it up right now if you can. That's a lot to a little. I'm gonna go uh, sixty-three to thirteen. Ooh, and USC fans will probably still be upset that they scored thirteen. It's it's uh, thirty-eight points. I probably shouldn't put it that high, but I think there'll be turnovers this week, and I don't know that the defense is going to. I just don't think Nevada is very good. Like. San Jose State is like like we've said is a Mountain West potential contender, like, especially with a six year quarterback. You tell me that Brendan Lewis is their quarterback, 
from having USC having played him before, I'm not very confident that he's the guy to light up the defense, that he's going to make the right read, that he can accurately get the ball to his receivers if they're open. So I think USC's defense is going to roll in this game in that regard, and the offense will do what the offense does. So I'm putting up a, uh, a big number. I almost went 77, but I'm, oh afraid, of, I'm afraid of the possession being limited because of the timing these days. Yeah. I'm going to go 62-13. I think they Nevada will score at some point, and they get two field goals, and that's it. So, so you went one point 13. off of mine. Yes. Yes, pretty much. I'm just hoping anything, uh, I'm, whatever, however many touchdowns Nevada actually scores, Nevada, um, I hope every single one of them is scored by John Jackson III. Hey, hey, here, 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 here to that. So, uh Friend of the program, great kid. I wish he had more opportunity to do more at USC. Um, His sister's still doing her thing for the women's soccer team. They got a big win last week against Duke. I haven't seen the results the last few days because of all the travel and whatnot, but they're off to a great start. So, you know, excited for to see him again uh, on the field with USC, even though I won't be out there. Chris, give him my love. Give him uh, my hello and uh, congratulations when he scores his touchdown. I will. I'll give him some flowers. Hopefully when I see him pregame uh, out there, I'll tell him, show him some love from the Helium boys. Only the Helium, though, only the way the Helium boys can. There we go. So that is another episode of Helium boys. Will we be back for episode three next week? Who knows? We never know. We're living on a prayer here at this, uh, this podcast. So shotgun, I'm going to miss you next weekend. I, I, I will be honest, but I will see you in the desert. But we'll be back to talk about all things USC. Gillian Boys, a serious, non-serious USC podcast. This has been another episode. That is Shotgun. Hope your voice gets better. I am Chris. We'll catch you next time. My dogs. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.